Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Take Two. And what a week it's been, whether we're talking about Salt Lake City, Utah, or national politics. It has been a wild one, but we're going to talk about a lot of those issues. Just to give you an idea, we're going to talk about Utah's sin section. A lot of those sins are now legal in Utah, which is really great. Uh, we had some interesting stuff going on in Washington with Senator Lee and some very cool pictures I'm sure you've seen by now. Epic uh, pictures. Yes, epic pictures, medical marijuana, some riveting transportation stuff to talk about. So we'll get to all of it, but we want to start with the sins here. Sin City in Utah. That's right. Fornication, sodomy, and adultery, all legal now here in Utah. So you won't get fined $600. You won't go to jail for doing any of those things. Is this a good thing? Is it about time? Does it matter if we even change these things, Jim? <laughs> I love how you went to gym first. It was such a natural flow. I know, go I, to gym on all the sin. I know. I'm like, Jim, would you like to, speak will you to please us? respond to all the sin we've legalized? Yeah, in the state of Utah? Well, I want to know. I know. From the authority himself. I stand strongly in opposition <laughs> to this change. We need those sins back. We do. <laughs> Here's what I have to say on the issue. Sodom and Gomorrah is in the scriptures. We know what sodomy is, but no one ever says what gamorization is. <laughs> like, I know. I've wondered for years, like, what you got to do to be a Gomorrah. I, I don't know. Heidi, you here, here's a crazy story. I have a friend who's a defense attorney. Okay. And he told me that, like, I thought these were outdated laws that okay. nobody exercised or, or prosecuted anyone based on any longer. Uh, but it is true that laws of sodomy and, and some of these, uh, the, the, the sins that you, that you just described, yeah. There are people that have been tried, albeit in Utah County, but no, they've been tried. You're serious? No, I'm serious. There are there have been cases that, that have been recent on some of these uh, so-called sex crimes that, that are not crimes, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how, how to parse my words choose? on this, but but it is actually these were actually laws that randomly and and certainly not uh, uniformly were were being people were being tried or were being prosecuted based on those. And so I think that there needed to be some cleanup in the statutes and I think it was a, a good thing. That's good to know. So we're talking like recent, like in the last yes. couple of years happening? Yes. Yep. All right, I don't want you to have to spill the beans, but I did not know that was still happening. Something that shouldn't be happening and the governor decided to sign a bill to say it should not still be happening. First cousins still cannot marry. Half siblings also should not be marrying and procreating. Is this a good idea or we, should we just let people have no, babies if man, they want? We talked about this in the last <laughs> yeah. show, uh, show in the past. <laughs> we don't need kids without teeth and with, you know, and all the genetic calamities that occur when related people are procreating. We just, we should, it should be one of those unspoken, just intuitive things we all avoid. But if we feel there needs to be a lot to just clear up the confusion, I think it's a very good thing. Do. We don't want a royal family approach in Utah. <laughs> I think that's probably a good thing. Kissing cousins gone. What is here, and Jim, I'm sure you're so excited about this, 3.3 beer, 
way, way up now. Oh my gosh, we've got something in my eyeball. You can't so, see that on a podcast, but it's itching me. Uh, 4.0, that's so exciting. At grocery stores. Look, I've started some initial chats with um, officials. Okay. That would, I think, really change the, the liquor views. I need to talk to Greg about this because he's an influential man in <laughs> some quarters. In some quarters. We need <laughs> laws that recognize, alcohol laws that recognize that there's a lot of difference between downtown Salt Lake City and um, Box Elder County. So Box Elder shouldn't get the same beer you get here in Salt Lake? Exactly. Local people ought to decide a lot more about alcohol in their own region. Wheat Park City on the ski slopes is a different place than um, Price or if you pick a different place in the state. This one size fits all. You know what, if certain counties don't want alcohol, they ought not to be alcohol there. But really? we need enter- I'm surprised to hear you talk. We like need that. enterprise zones. We need in Salt Lake City, we need places where the liquor laws are different than they are now. And we ought to stop looking at this as one giant conglomeration of a state. This sounds very Republican of you to look for um, local answers from these local jurisdictions. I'm what happens when you go on vacation, though, and let's say you go to Canyon Country and they decided they're dry? Will you be super disappointed or you just have to shop ahead? No, you, li- you, you live with it. And, and the point is, it, it is so harmful to Salt Lake City and to Salt Lake County um, to have these liquor laws it, to, to, in so many areas in attracting the kind of corporations we need and in uh, holding a lot of executives here and in tourism, we need to just say, let's let the local people have some input into this and have some kind of enterprise zones or some kind of uh, name that where the liquor laws are different. It, 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 it's a good conversation to have and I'll tell you why. I, when I was opposed to the .05 blood alcohol content level, the legal limit being lowered from 0.08 to 0.05. There were a lot of examples of, say, Ireland, where it's at 0.05. But what was not being discussed when they were saying these European uh, countries or even... They have neighborhood bars. They have places you can walk. Uh, And so, to Jim's point, if you are in a metropolitan area where there's Uber, where there's ways to get around where you never get behind the wheel, Mm -hmm. uh, what does... What, do the, what does the regulatory climate regarding alcohol look like there where there's different transportation options and those things versus a more rural area where everywhere you go in any way that you get around would require you to operate a motor vehicle? What would that be? And what, what would you, if you could create a regulatory climate, what would you do contemplating that kind of community and what's happening there? So I think, I hate to say it, I'm going to lose street cred here, but Jim is coming up with, I think, at least some very good policy discussion that ought to be had. That's why the .05 uh, was disappointing for me because I don't think we have uh, the same uh, circumstances in terms of how people would uh, eat and and have an adult beverage here in Utah as they have in Europe or some of those countries they were comparing that blood alcohol content uh, limit to. Uh, You're better off at .05. We may as well just say don't have a sip and get behind the wheel and just be done with it entirely because I think you've gotten to a point where it is so unknown. It's not like you don't have a... If you have a speed limit, you have a, speedo- you have a speedometer in your car and you have a speed limit, you know how fast you need to go. Absolutely. We don't have that as in, within our body. So I think that you, once you get down to these limits like 05, you're almost more intellectually honest to say, 
no no drinking and getting behind the wheel Not a draw. period yeah and if you're going to do that then you could have that conversation and say what if you lived in a place like salt lake where there's you know transportation options versus a rural area so good good conversation i think that's a good policy discussion i want to look up and see if you can even get like an uber in laverkin i hadn't thought about it before but somebody's got to be driving right exactly <laughs> all right uh the veto oh before we get to the veto now let's talk about this the governor has had one veto so far was it a good use of his veto power jim i don't special uh, elections yeah, i should set this up uh, okay. so this is um where he talks about um issuing the first veto he rejected a bill that would have created a process for filing okay, a this congressional ca this came about when congressman chaffetz quit yeah. And there was a big match, urinating yes. match, between the well, legislature and the governor. I would just call it a match, Jim. I wouldn't go any more descriptive than that. Greg did not pee on any trees no, at the Capitol. There was no, so, I don't even know why that word came up in that description. I mean, the governor and the legislature, they were going at it, and it played out through all this drama. The question was, there's some question in state law about when a representative quits, how do you select a new one? And so the legislature had one idea, the governor had another one. This is still continuing that battle. Yeah, it's, so here's, here's the issue. We legitimately did not have on the books uh, a process for a special election if there's a vacancy in a congressional seat uh, to take place. Uh, our U.S. Constitution says that if there is a vacancy, there has to be a general election of the people. But it, it, it is silent on how do the respective parties bring forward their nominee for that general election to fill that congressional seat. Mm -hmm. You look at other states, uh, Pennsylvania, 13 million people live in Pennsylvania. They have more than 20 congressional seats. In the event that a congressional seat is vacant, time is of the essence for them. Even though they have a lot more members of Congress than we do in Utah, they want, uh, these are only two year uh, terms anyway. You gotta be quick, yeah. So they want, so the parties will proffer nominees and they will have then, they will hold a general election. Mm -hmm. So we in Utah, and it was the legislature's opinion when uh, Congressman Chaffetz uh, resigned early, that we should have an expeditious process but have that general election for the parties to proffer their candidates. Uh, the governor did not want a, cock or a convention or delegate process to bring forward those nominees. He wants a signature gathering period, and he wants a primary, and then he wants a general election. Well, that draws out that time that you don't have representation, and it's only a two-year seat. So that's where the rub was with the legislature and yeah. the governor. The legislature came into this session uh, and clarified that and said that the parties could proffer through their delegates, uh, and we do this for the vacancies uh, for state lawmakers, uh, could put those uh, candidates forward for a general election. He has vetoed that bill because he wants to have that signature cycle and he wants to have that more, he wants it to look more like our general elections. I think the answer back is, you're gonna have a general election, especially in Congress, pretty quickly. But having that seat vacant, I, we think it, uh, there's a price that Utah pays. Is there any good that comes from what the governor did here where yeah. you let the people have the full say and you yeah. let them choose who's on the ballot? Look, anytime that Utah representatives are not there in Washington, <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, the state is better served, except for Ben. Except exactly. For ben. I was just going to say, would you say that for all members of Congress, Jim? I don't think that. Three out of four. Yeah. All right. So another issue, uh, the governor signed a bill to ban abortion after 18 weeks. This was a controversial one. We'll likely go through the court process, but we're not the only state doing this. Greg, is this something that will possibly stick 
or was this just making a point to the rest of the country? This is our moral value in Utah. So I think what you have is you have politics oftentimes is a pendulum. You, mm -hmm. There was there has been not in Utah but in other states, uh, more blue states, more liberal states, uh, the the desire to push out even after potentially a. a a child being born or a baby or whatever we'd want to call uh, a baby that intended to be aborted but lived outside the mother's womb. There are laws and straight-faced arguments that I would call it infanticide, but there are some that want laws that would allow for that abortion to still continue even if the baby were alive outside the mother's womb. That has offended so many people. And you see the pendulum swing the other way to say, look, if you can hear a heartbeat, if you have signs that this viable tissue mass or fetus, whatever, whatever word we want to use to, whatever vernacular, you know, the sides want to use, if that, if there is a, a, a fetus that has a heartbeat and, and could potentially live, uh, should we be protecting that? And I think that is in response to the late, late, late term abortions, even post, or mm -hmm. those ch ch fetuses that would be outside the mother's womb that you would be able to uh, still terminate. I think that's the political thing you're seeing. This, are, we're not the only state to look at 18 weeks. You have other states that have signed into law or are debating it right now. So I think the country is revisiting this debate about abortion. That used to be a very hot topic. It settled down, I would say, after a while, but it's coming back up. And I think it's because uh, sides are starting to take stronger positions and one side does and so that the other side does as well. I, I, you know what, it'll be a Supreme Court, a US Supreme Court decision. And there hasn't been one since 72, really. So maybe it's time to revisit it. Science has changed, medicine's changed. Let's see what it says. Any chance this will go into effect in May when it's supposed to? No, no chance. The law of the land is set and it is not 18 weeks. So this is one of those bills that the legislature feels their righteous indignation. They stand up, they say blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then it costs the taxpayers tens, hundreds, millions of dollars. So they've had their moment of uh, bloviating and they all feel good. This is not gonna be decided by the Utah case. There's several other states directly on point at 18 weeks that are gonna be at the Supreme Court before. This had nothing to do with any legal maneuver or anything about abortion. It was all political and the Utah taxpayers are gonna pay a huge price so these guys could shore up their base a little bit by saying, yeah, I voted for this thing. Useless. Useless, is there ever need for a pendulum swing when you're seeing states like New York or Virginia pushing those very late-term abortions that were infanticized? This has nothing, no to, reaction there, here? This has nothing to do with that. These are cases that are already in the Supreme Court that's gonna be heard by the Supreme Court. It's gonna be decided. Utah's jumping into the party very late. It's gonna be long decided, but come May, lawyers are gonna start getting big I retainers and our state attorney general's time is gonna be tied up for uselessness. Oftentimes, stakeholders will, uh, will file uh, amicus briefs, uh, mm -hmm. consider this law one very elaborate amicus brief. I think this is the way for sta the state of Utah to say that they think this is an issue that ought to be visited by the Supreme Court. And again, I do believe that this is a pushback or a reaction to uh, some of the recent efforts to allow for late, late term or even post if, the, if you have a, a child, a baby that's outside the mother's womb, but still the argument that it should be that life should be terminated. This is the pushback from that.
Okay. Nationally. Nationally. Another issue dealing with courts right now, the Utah Supreme Court met this week. They were tackling medical marijuana, the changes made by the legislature, and whether they can legally do that after voters voted for the opportunity to have medical marijuana in the state. Jim, I can feel you wanting to talk. I'm going to make you wait. So, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Heidi. But we don't have any sign when they're going to make a ruling or if there's going to be a ruling or what happens. What did you think of this week? Look, this is um, this is a if, if I liked anything, I liked that the debate was ha happening because I think Utahns should broadly understand that the initiative process, the propositions that are passed by the people become statute. Um, that statute is subject to amendments and changes and substitutes like all the laws in the books already are. So there's not a special, it doesn't have a special protection any different than other laws that are that, that a lawmaker can go through the process and see that that bill is substituted or amended. This, is, this went through that same process. What I love about this issue, different than maybe the Prop 3, which dealt with Medicaid expansion, mm -hmm. which after the, it had passed, the, the, the legislature revisited that, made some tweaks. We, I was part of this, I have full disclosure, uh, with those that authored Proposition 2, with those that collected the signatures, mm -hmm. I would argue is the most successful proposition because it was already a foregone conclusion with policymakers. We see the sentiment of the, of the people of Utah to help people that are in need. We came together, we found common ground, and those amendments and those changes after the, after the vote took place were collaborative. And so that collaboration of both sides coming together to really answer the issue that we felt was that what voters were considering, and that was fundamentally, are you a criminal? If you find uh, a medical efficacy from medical cannabis and should you be able to access it? The answer we all concluded was yes. And then it was, how do we make sure that we, have, we protect public safety but make it work? So. I love that they're debating it. I hope that I expect our state Supreme Court to see that and understand that we don't have any different standing for those laws. We came together and I think in an important way and I'll break it on this show. I've seen polling that shows that a majority of Utahns do appreciate collaboration and sides coming together and finding common ground. And a majority of those asked like that process versus uh, disapproved of it. So I think, uh, I think that that's, the debate is a good one to have, but I think that everyone acted well within the law, and the law is the way it is for a reason. Okay, so the Supreme Court, you think, is going to rule in favor of the legislature's changes or with the will of the people? The, the, in favor of the amendments and the changes uh, and... and the, Against that, the will of the people. It is, it is, we believe we have honored greatly the will of the people. Uh, you were a legislator once. Do you ever felt like you were working against the will of the people when you were legislating and writing new rules? In December, when I was a legislator, <laughs> I felt I felt like my gang consistently. Look, the Utah Constitution is clear. It says, in principle, the people and the legislature are equal, but the legislature they are jealous. And they don't really believe that. They think, oh yeah, we're equal, but really we know better because the people are kind of stupid. And when they say we're passing this, they don't really mean this. They mean, well, whatever we think they mean. So whether it's Medicaid expansion or whether it's medical marijuana, the legislature came in and said, okay, that's what the Constitution says, we're equal. But when you pass something, you don't really know what you're doing. You were just sending a message. Hell, when the legislature passes something, they're not sending a message, they're writing a law. 
and to for the legislature to imagine that the people are too stupid to really know what they're passing or what they're doing is part of that legislative arrogance that I think drives a lot of us crazy. So on the medical marijuana, on the case being heard before the Supreme Court, I think there's a shot that the Supreme Court is going to say, you know what, they're equal, and we're going to uh, we're going to enforce some kind of a time period that the equal your equal partner there is going to have their same sway before you can go in and change it. I don't know whether that'll happen, uh, but it, it would be a good thing. And, and Jim, get. you can have the last word on this, I, I, but I just want to clarify. I, I, I absolutely reject, and I, I, know you're, I know you like to say it, hopefully tongue-in-cheek to some degree, but I, the legislature does not believe that the public is stupid. In fact, uh, issues like Proposition 2 and medical cannabis, absent the work of collecting the signatures and getting it on the ballot, the legislature by itself would never have come to these agreements and put in statute uh, access to medical cannabis the way it has. Even Medica Medi Medicaid expansion. We would not have that Medica Medicaid expansion law on the books as it is now, absent the work and the voice of the people having voted in favor of that. It, it is, you can't, you have, you have law and you can't amend it and you have to have, uh, you have other obligations that the state requires us to balance budgets and, and make sure that these things work. But it, it would be wrong to say that the legislature wants to usurp or replace the voice of the people because both that Proposition 2 with medical cannabis and Proposition 3, the Medicaid expansion, would not be, in my opinion, would not be laws passed by that legislature absent the vote and the expression of the people. Would you agree that the legislature does sometimes need to go into these laws and fine tune? Because voters aren't stupid, but they probably don't study the legal ramifications or issues or how to make it happen sometimes in some ways that maybe voters don't think about or have the time to think about that they're needed in that regard? My experience is a lot of legislators don't have the time or the expertise <laughs> to really understand 570 <laughs> bills that are this, this large. Look, on Medicaid expansion, the people knew exactly what they were doing and exactly what they wanted. And the legislature came in and said, no, mm -mm -mm. we don't want that. If there's nothing technical about it, the Utah voters wanted to be along with all the other states that are taking full Medicaid expansion. And the legislators, which Greg is right, didn't want anything to do with it, but nonetheless, they cut it down to something that they wanted and not what the people voted for. I think. The legislature should hang its head in shame. All of them. You heard it from Jim here. All right, Jim has an issue he'd like to talk about that I'm not very educated on. It doesn't sound very sexy to me. It's transportation, but I want you to sell the heck out of it. Like, make me want to hear about this. Hey, look, you know, we have, a st we have a state transportation board. Yes. And there are people on this board that take the money, the, whatever we get, six, seven, eight hundred million dollars a year in the transportation budget to build roads and to do things, and which projects they prioritize them and they do things. They take many years into consideration when they're deciding. These people have waited a long time, the geography, people in this part of southern Utah haven't had anything in a long time, this is a desperate need, we're gonna, it's a long deliberative process. And then you've got politicians and you've got legislative leadership 
that have all the power. And sometimes they don't like this transportation board because they want to be the kings and they want to decide, I want this in my neighborhood or I want that done or I want this. So we found in the last moments, the last minutes of the legislature, they ripped up a bill and they said, we're going to take this $400 million and we're going to decide, and guess what? Most of those special projects didn't go through any of this usual rigmarole that don't have the kind of oversight that they need. A lot of it is in the backyards of a lot of legislative leaders. I think it's a shameful sin, and we should have been talking about that the same time we were talking about all the sins. Okay, I should be at the top. So this is Utah's pork barrel. Did this happen? Um, you lived in Fancy Draper, and. I understand you had some holes in your roads up there. Did you get them fixed because you were the queen of the sandcastle? No, I had to. I, I rode on a bus and toured with the Transportation Commission. Now, this is not absent uh, politics. These are all commissioners appointed by the governor. So these are uh, a, a political appointees. And they do. They, they look at the transportation issues. They, they will prioritize and program projects. I, I went on a bus tour with the commission to show them uh, roads in my own district mm -hmm. to show them where we I felt that those priorities needed to be and and the uh, issues that needed to be addressed but this is not a long-standing commission this got this this came about in the mid 2000s to try and take the politics out of to, to Jim's just but uh, it didn't work I, I you can I, I would say no I would say that it's hard to divorce all political considerations when you're appointed by a an elected official um, and there's just a, there's inherent politics to it all. I will say this, you have elected officials, House members, state senators, you have issues that come up. The Inland Port was one of those things that if you're programming out 10 to 15 years, that bill was passed last year and you're not going to see the programming for necessarily the infrastructure for an Inland Port uh, that would be in that time frame because it's a fairly new public policy issue that's come forward. Uh, but Jim should celebrate that some of that money that was appropriated uh, politically in that bill is looking to empower what we'd call satellites. So a U.S. Customs bonded inland port that would stay or remain down in the Uinta Basin. Okay. So that the natural resources didn't necessarily have to be trained up to Salt Lake to the northwest quadrant or here in Salt Lake City. You could actually go through the U.S. Customs in a satellite uh, bonded port and then go to the Gulf of Mexico or to Long Beach and stay down there. I would expect Jim to be excited about uh, tra He's transportation infrastructure <laughs> that would keep those types of uh, exports from having to come up here, all the way up here to Salt Lake City. So I think that was an important uh, appropriation. It was part of that, uh, those last minute wranglings and trying to find uh, needed dollars. Infrastructures, we will never have enough to deal with the growing populations, water, transportation, uh, infrastructure needs. And so I think you got to be nimble. And I have no problem with a legislative body that's duly elected staring at those critical issues and making those decisions. All right, let's talk about a couple of national issues because national Utah politics have been so fun this week. Uh, if you love watching C-SPAN, Senator Mike Lee really made a splash and <laughs> Jim's like, yes, he did. <laughs> if you haven't seen it when they were discussing the Green New Deal, which by the way, I think it was a 57 to zero vote that came to the floor. I think most Democrats voted present. Why is I'll, that? I, Why did Democrats because not vote for because, this Green Deal? Because the Republicans have taken a great idea. Do you know what the New Deal was for the financial the building back? The original New Deal? Yeah, from FDR, was yeah. building the country, which was flat on its back in the Great Depression. 
And the president made a new deal led by a famous Utah, by the way, who was the architect of the entire new deal economically. His statue is outside of the Utah Capitol right now, Mr. Eccles. That was it. The idea of a Green New Deal is to recognize that climate change is real and it is a tremendous danger to the United States and to Utah and everywhere. And we need that kind of an emphasis, a Green New Deal, the way we had that kind of emergency effort um, in the 30s to deal with the, with the Depression. But the Republicans and Fox News have managed to turn this into some kind of uh, uh, a boogeyman and have created it something so that the Democrats in the Senate were, it was a Republican introduced bill and the vote was, are you for this terrible, horrible thing that we've labeled a new Green Deal? Okay, so Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I always have to think. So She's I a to, freshman legislator. She's a freshman legislator. She's getting a lot of talk, but our freshman legislator, uh, Ben McCandams, is not in support of this. He says it looks like too much big government and spending. He wants to look at the environment. He wants to clean up our air, clean up our water, deal with global warming. But even he thinks this is like a giant. This is nothing. There is it. no green. You cannot produce what the Green New Deal is. It's just a series of ideas that eventually we're going to talk I, about doing something serious. I, I thought there were time limits <clears throat> that you would have no more carbon emissions by a certain date. You would. There were certain requirements that that sound great, especially when you look out a decade or so and, and aspire to those things. Yeah. But the reality of actually being able to do those things were not realistic. I think that, I think that was uh, what the point our good senator was making when he had this really funny. Uh, uh, so you like the tauntauns and the dinosaurs? Yeah. So you have a, you didn't have one Democrat that could with a straight face vote for that Green Deal. I think what the Republican maneuver was was it's nice to talk in platitudes. Are you ready to put your name to this? Are you ready to vote for it? When that vote came to the floor, because the the Senate uh, co-sponsor of uh, Representative Cortez's uh, bill yeah. was not did not want to have a vote on that bill. That should tell you something. I mean, I, I as a lawmaker, I love having my bill on the floor to vote on if I'm sponsoring yeah. a bill. But there wasn't any Democrats that voted for it. I think there were some some timelines and some requirements that were pretty draconian. But again, so far out that they didn't feel you wouldn't feel it today. Yeah. But I think that the that Senator Lee's and it has gotten so much attention. This it was on the Colbert show. Ronald last night. Wilson Reagan on the back of a dinosaur with a machine gun going. I think what he was trying to say is, look, that's fantasy land. You know, we didn't defeat the Cold War was not won with a single shot fired. Uh, this Green Deal is not going to happen with these draconian deadlines and requirements that are going to come. I think his point was that Green Deal is akin to this painting. Yeah. If we really care as and want to be good stewards of the environment. These children that we have, that we want, that inherit this world that we live in, we want, we, we don't want to destroy the planet. We don't want to overheat it. We don't want climate change to destroy uh, our future or our children's mm -hmm. future, even more importantly, when you look at the time span. So I think that was his point. And I think he was trying to find a humorous way to grab attention. I think everyone's just excited about the picture. They're just looking at the picture. It didn't they, work for you, Tim. I don't think they got the whole you, message. You got to admit, though, some of it's far-fetched. It wasn't in the actual bill, but some of the letter that spelled out what was in there originally, they wanted to get rid of all the cows because they they fart. We weren't allowed to say that at my house when we were growing up. We had to say toot, but farting cows need to go away. We have that problem in the And Logan. we can say it on a podcast. Air travel. You know, I can make up weird stuff. Same. 
And so I'm just saying, to make up a straw dog and then expect Democrats to defend it, I will say this, I have yet to see anything substantive out of the Republicans nationally or locally in the legislature, one iota of seriousness about dealing with climate change. There's been no nope. study in the state of Utah. There is no Utah State strong look at climate change, how it's going to affect the various regions, how it's going to affect our economy, our ski industry. We have a see no evil, hear no evil, don't talk about it view. We have no plan. And that, whatever Mike Lee may fun may be having on the floor of the Senate, Utah ought to be ashamed of itself. And we ought to be talking about the Colorado River drying up and difficulties and a lot of other things. Inversion, We're not taking yeah. it seriously. Okay, um, we could tackle that for an entire day. We're almost out of time, so I want to rapid fire, go through a couple things here um, nationally. We were ending the show uh, last week as the Mueller report was getting released. We were oh. recording, didn't really know what was happening. Well, this to be sure. Well, yeah, yeah. So, this is, I don't know how so rapid we, I can we, fire this one. We know it's out there at this point. The hope is it's going to be released in its entirety, at least to the extent it can. And, I mean, likely some redactions of people's names, agents that can't be out there. Is it going to be fully released and can we move on after this or should we investigate more investigations of investigations? Yeah, so there's no collusion. We heard that Mueller was the savior. He was going to do all these great and grandiose things and there's no collusion with the Russians. It's definitive. Everyone, including the president, said they want the full report to be out there. There are some legal limitations about grand jury testimony or certain things that by law cannot be made public. That process is going on right now. I hear it's a 300 page report and they're going through that. It will be released in weeks, not months. Nobody's arguing that premise. But I will tell you, my frustration is it doesn't matter to some. There were people that were disappointed, sadly, that there wasn't collusion with the Russians. They were upset that that was the, the determination. Yeah. That, that there was, you know, it's a Don Henley song. People love it when you lose, they love dirty laundry. It's, that's, that was just fueling ratings for these national cable programs. It was all the rage. And when that wet blanket was thrown and there is none, and even to the point where the Russians had attempted and it was rebuffed, it takes all the oxygen out of that whole fun for some uh, debate, all the ratings that came with it. And I'm just tired of the Smollett case. Guess what? It wasn't a Make America Great Trump supporter that attacked him. Even his own attorney admitted it was, it was friends of his that, that were not, you know, that were minorities themselves. That, that wasn't true. You got, you find out that, that these rich and famous parents are circumventing all the rigorous admission standards of the elite schools in this country to get their kids in. I'm just tired of these double standards or selective logic, selective justice, selective outrage. I would love to get to what we talk, I think, a little bit more on this program about, and that is substance, policy. But that Mueller uh, report, when it is released, there will be people that it does not matter what it says. The president's wrong. They're right. The world isn't good when he's president. And it won't matter. The facts won't matter. I think that when, that when it says, without question, there is no collusion, which is the epicenter of it all. Let's move on. Let's be done with this. I'm just even the president. No more yeah, counter just, anything. Look, just I mean, you could ask yourself, how in the world could something that has been proved patently false by someone that you can't say was like a pal to the president, uh, the, the special prosecutor, um, 
or special counsel, how did we get here? How did that even happen? You can ask that question, but I'd love to move on to the real issues that are facing Americans and Utahns. Is there that double standard? Are we mean to conservatives right now and it just isn't fair? The Smollett yeah, case went away. Conservatives, I know. Mueller. I feel so bad for them. Look, there's 300 pages. We have a two and a half page summary by the attorney general who got his job by writing an op-ed on saying, I think it's a witch hunt before he'd ever had anything to get to know it. Pardon me, but I don't trust Barr. I want to see the whole thing. And we'll see if it gets released. Remember where the president promised, you will see my tax returns. I've been an audit right now. And as soon as that audit is over, you'll see him. And how many years ago was that? He never delivered. We'll see if that comes out or not. Second, Greg, what Greg said is absolutely true. Nobody's mind is going to be changed on this. No. When, even when the full report comes out, no matter what it says, certain people are going to say witch hunt or whatever, and other people are going to say, no, blah, blah, blah. You know what? The message is for Democrats. You know what? The way we're going to beat him is in the election in November of 2020. That's it. And this idea somehow that there's a shortcut, there's not going to be an impeachment because the Senate is going to stay in the hands of the Republicans. So let's stop whining about this and let's find a candidate that will win. Not the one that makes our heart tweeter and feel good. Democrats, so Cory Booker might not be the one. Democrats fall in love. Republicans <laughs> fall in line. And we need to fall in line. And we need to remember that it's a few people in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, um, in the, up in the north uh, area. Those are those the people that are going to decide. Wisconsin, uh, Ohio, uh, we know where they are. Pennsylvania. Yeah. And you know what? As much as we love this candidate or not, how do the people in those states feel about it? Because unless you want Donald Trump again, we Democrats had better unite and find a candidate that can win and beat Donald Trump. So much gamesmanship, it never ends. Tribalism and the fun of politics. Thanks for joining Imagine. us. Imagine. Yeah. Thanks for bringing your gravelly, I don't know if I should call it a sexy voice or you what it is. You know what, you should get a badge. You are under duress, you are not feeling well. I, I can tell that but even then you're bringing it. You're bringing, you're bringing Thanks, all man. the emotions, so under, you know, being sick, you're still here. You're Thanks you're a for bringing your I, I'm just kind of, I'm dazzled by it. Look at my that necklace. necklace. Yeah, well, Thank yeah. you. You can't see it on podcast, but it, what is it? It's like it's blue so and orange. It's so beautiful. Yeah. I was going to look yeah. down, but that makes me have like four chins, and I don't want that. Yeah. So I'm just going <laughs> to keep my head up like this. Thank you so much for listening to us for another week. More excitement coming next week. And you get an extra day to listen to it, an extra time since we recorded on a Thursday. Yeah. Thanks for playing, boys. Thanks, thanks for, uh, keep listening, keep clicking. It's, uh, it's the fastest growing podcast, maybe in the history of the world, but it's certainly true. here in Utah. Keep sharing. We're just like the virus Jim brought into the newsroom. That's Have a right. good one. <laughs>